Uh, today, um, I don't know. I, I am a doctor, but I hate to self-diagnose. But I think somebody on the program uh, lost their lost their wig a bit. Um, yeah, that's one bit. way to put it. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Uh, if you like to watch car wrecks, today <laughs> is the podcast for you. You don't want to miss it. A lot of great stuff. Brought to you by Relief Factor. Um, I want to talk to you about pain and disease. A lot of our pain and disease comes from inflammation in our bodies. Uh, In fact, the majority of our pain, I think, comes from inflammation. A lot of our disease happens uh, because of that. I I never believed in that. I I didn't understand ibuprofen. I really didn't because it doesn't work for me at all. And when Relief Factor was suggested to me by my wife, I was like, it, it reduces inflammation. That is a scam. And she's like, ibuprofen works. And I'm like, not on me, it doesn't. She told me I had to take it or she would, you know, basically stop listening to me whine. And I've got to have somebody to whine to. So I started taking it. Three weeks later, she was right. Relief Factor attacks inflammation from four different directions. Ibuprofen only does it from one. 70% of the people who go on to uh, try the three-week quick start go on to order more month after month at relieffactor.com. Get out of pain. 800, the number four, relief. 800, the number four, relief. Relieffactor.com. Get the quick start right now, 1995, relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. All right. So I've had, um, you know, I've, I've had a sedative uh, given to me, so I'm okay It was whiskey. Now. He gargled it. And then- <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, whiskey, that'll make the show. Give it a, give it 20 minutes. Give me a oh, few more shots and then it'll be a. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the Romeike family uh, is a German family that we that came 15 years ago to the United States and sought asylum. They did it the right way. All they wanted was to freely homeschool their children. Uh, and it's on religious um, persecution. They were asking for asylum. Obama wouldn't give it to them. Uh, and then we all kind of forgot about the family because they, they were here in America uh, and um, they were doing well, live in Tennessee, get along with all their neighbors They're good industrious people their children grew up they got married they have other small children and just recently the uh, u.s government when they went in to get their their workers permits again they were like oh yeah um you have to leave now and uh you have to leave which would have been today they had to have produce their passports well we talked about it i blew a gasket and uh, apparently some other people did uh as well And the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, who has been on this forever, they are great. They, uh, you know, they they poked around, see what they could find. And we have some good news for you. And so let me introduce you uh, to Hannah Laurie um, uh, Romeike. She is the homeschooling mom. And Kevin Bowden, he is the homeschool legal defense uh, attorney. So let me start with you, Kevin. You talked to ICE, I think, on Wednesday, right? I talked to ICE last week, late last week, and then we were there in person just a couple of days ago. Okay. What did they tell you? We, they said, you know, the family will come in, plan for us to sign out their order of supervision paperwork for another 12 months, uh, which is what they did on Wednesday. You know, I asked specifically about 
what was the change? And I got basically kind of a canned response about, well, there's changes in policies and procedures from time to time. And, you know, anyways, what's your gut, you what's your gut tell went. you? What's your gut tell you on that? Oh, my gut tells me that, you know, this is not, you know, with all of the publicity and with everything that's going on, they just didn't want to deal with it. And so someone at the top said, make this go away. Sign them out for another year. We don't want to deal Good. with it. Well, I, I will tell you, uh, uh, the uh, presidential candidate named Scott from South Carolina uh, made a few phone calls as well. So they got some heat uh, from some important people. So hopefully that that played a role. So we're back to square one, though, again, a year from now. We are. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not a long term solution. This is a Band-Aid. This is a placeholder. And. You know, we certainly appreciate Senator Scott. I know he's expressed some interest in, in a private bill as well in the Senate, which would be wonderful. So we're continuing to look at long-term solutions, but of course, right. grateful for the 12 months that we now have to, to pursue some of those a little bit more in depth. Yeah, well, let, let me know how we can help in the meantime. I don't want to face this again next year, and I know the family doesn't either. Um, uh, Hannah Laurie is uh, on the phone. This is mom, and I can't tell you, uh, I, I have rarely met people as impressive uh as um hannah laurie she is i mean i put her in the category of um, brushes with spiritual greatness in in the category of of meeting some of the greatest uh religious figures of our day including billy graham she is a remarkable woman of faith welcome to the program how are you hannah laurie you there Oh, I, I just did this great intro, and now she's not here. I mean, that's... Oh, oh now there you I are. hear you. Oh, hi. How are you? Hi. I'm doing good. <laughs> good. Good to talk to you again. Uh, I, I'm so glad that things are working out. At least we have a uh, delay, and so you don't have mm-hmm. to go back right away to, uh, mm-hmm. to Germany. How, how did it feel when you, when you found out the news? Oh, that was a big relief. Yeah. <laughs> and- yeah, and we are very thankful. You know, the pressure is going down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's good. We are uh, very thankful and grateful. You know, you um, you were quiet on the TV show with me last week, and then when the mics went off and the cameras were turned off, <laughs> you just, I mean, you amazed me. Uh, you had me actually in tears. Um, because of your faith, um, You, I said, you know, don't worry, we'll have, you know, or do everything we can to work it out. And you were just not seemingly in the right way worried at all because of your faith. Uh, yeah, you know, that is actually an interview. It's for me harder <laughs> than real life experience because uh, of what, you know, we have experienced in the past, how the Lord uh, stepped in and fought our battle. Even if we didn't feel like he's still strong, you know, and he still wins all the battles. And actually, I I feel uh, I want to encourage the American people, you know, uh, who have prayed for us uh, and fought this battle. I feel like they have carried the burden even more than we did. And I wanted to thank you and and all the American people who prayed and fought on our side. First, I want to thank our Lord, you know, who is great and hears our prayers. But I also want to encourage the American people that the Lord hears their prayers. And sometimes we get discouraged and we think, you know, that uh, maybe it's not enough. 
But prayers are powerful and we felt the effect. We felt it before and this time it was even mightier. So I want to say a big thank you to the American people who prayed for us. You know, they feel so discouraged and helpless and they think that's not the America uh, they know. Um, but I wanted to say, if I have a little bit time, sure. And that how how we came over here to America and we came with only suitcases, seven suitcases with a few clothes in, and a, a few German books and toys. And the American people came and brought us clothes, food, and blankets and furniture. Some of them we still have to this day, and they even donated a piano and came with their children for piano lessons so we could make a living here. That's how we met the American people. They always treated us with respect, loved us, helped us, and blessed us. So um, that's how we met the American people. They were always a blessing and welcoming to us. So you see what's happening all around the world, and you see what, I mean, we're fighting great and powerful evil right now. And mm-hmm. people feel like there's no, they feel that they have no power to do anything. Um, and that's really, I mean, we don't. We are powerless over this to some degree. Mm-hmm. Only God mm-hmm. can save us. But tell, mm-hmm. me, tell me how you view what we're going through now as a, as a people who believe in freedom. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, uh, uh, the Lord gave me a word yesterday that was very powerful and made me think. So I can just throw it out to you. And, and he said, uh, he woke me up with that sentence, you don't get to choose your battles, but you can choose the outcome. And that made me really think that we have more power. You know, what do we have to, uh, to, to turn the outcome to the good? You know, and, and I, was, I was just thinking that we have the word to stand on. That never changes. All the promises are ours. Today, I have such a beautiful verse I have to tell you. In Psalm 34, verse 10, those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You know, in my past, the only thing through storms that was standing was the word. The Lord and the word, they are un- unstoppable, unshakable, and unbreakable. And, and we can be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, and we can be overcomer. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, what did we teach our children? I was, you know, looking back and, and uh, just writing down what did we teach our children. And then the Lord gave me a very important sentence. He said, uh, you teach them to respect authorities, but they have to learn to stand against tyranny. And uh, so this is very, and I said to the Lord, I didn't really teach them. And he said, yes, you did, by your example. So, and that's what I want to give to the American people. Uh, if the authorities go against God's law, we must obey God rather than men. God's law is higher than men. And Jesus says we need to fear God more than men. Now, so I feel this is the time not to sit on the sideline, but to become bold for the Lord. And, and how can we push back the darkness we see covering the land? You know, that was the question that came to my mind. How can we push back the darkness by turning on the light? What is the answer? How do you push back just turning on the light? Yes, 
Jesus said, we are the light and we are the salt. We make the world thirsty for the living water and we show them the light of God. If we turn up our lights, you know, just shine on Jesus, look on Jesus and be the light he has called us to be. That's how we win this battle. Look up to Jesus. He will teach us what to do. He will give us solutions. Hannah Laurie, um, thank you so much. Um, I hope someday that we can, um, that I would have the honor to be there at a swearing-in ceremony and you become an American citizen if you would choose to oh. do that. But uh, you're, you're an amazing woman. You have a great, great family. And Kevin, please keep us involved. The, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, you guys do so much great work. Um, you know, it's not only religious, but it is also the fact that, you know, people don't people don't want their their uh, the, the unions and the power doesn't want you to have control of your children. And it is so important that people like you and your organization uh, do what you do and anything we can do to support you. Let me know. Kevin, thank we'll you. Do, Glenn. Thanks so much. You bet. Anna Laurie, God bless. Thank you. God bless you. you Thank bet. you for having me. You bet. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Mr. Bill O'Reilly. Got the choir there today, huh? Yeah, I did. Got yeah, the choir. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. people union people or what uh, about? <laughs> well, absolutely. This is a union shop through and through. Good union jobs here. <laughs> so, uh. How you been, Beck? I I'm good. How are you? I know. How are you? Yeah, I'm uh, the same, which is tragic for everybody. It is, um, yeah. mainly you, uh, no one, mainly you. No improvement here at yeah. all. Um, let's just start with just a little bit on the, the news of the week. Sure. Uh, how, how is it, uh, Bill, that the uh, that our CIA and, and nobody had any information of, of this prior to, uh, and yet the Wall Street Journal, according to their sources 24 hours after, were like, yeah, this is, this is what happened. How, I mean, what happened there? Um, I wish I knew what happened because CNN is directly contradicting the Wall Street Journal, and that was my message of the day on BillOReilly.com this morning, which I know you and Stu, uh, as soon as you get up, you're in there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I wrote Killing the Killers, which basically praised uh, the U.S. Intel Services and Israel for um, a very good job after 9-11. Right. And they did it. And we chronicled it, and we wiped out uh, most of the ISIS and Al-Qaeda terrorists and, and all of that. So it is shocking, and I use that word shocking literally, that nobody would know that this was in the planning stage. Now, Wall Street Journal came out and said, according to Hamas sources, the Iranians engineered all this beginning in August. And it was a flat-out declarative sentence that's right. what they said no right. nuance right five days later cnn comes out on the air and says no iranian have anything to do with it iran didn't have anything to do with it which uh, is pretty hard to believe uh based upon what we know there is uh, no way hamas does anything this size without their sugar daddy saying it's okay yeah and i, and I know you read killing the killers and that's how you got that information because it's well, true it's it is. True. It is. And, and you, you're looking at a region that is not full of subtleties here. Okay? <laughs> it's not. Wow. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's... I mean, I'm a simple man. You right. know that. Yeah. Back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Hamas doesn't make weapons. 
they don't have any factories that manufacture rockets and uh, rifles and machine guns and hand grenades. They don't have that. And strangely, AK, uh, not AKs, but uh, AR-15s. That's uh, strange. Yeah. Look, mm. so they have to be given them. And yeah, Russia and China would do it. They're evil enough to do it. But we could track that fairly easily. However, once you get inside Iran, it gets become more difficult. Because it's such a closed society, and, and it's uh, a place where intel is very rare to come out of there. Israel has better intel than the USA inside of Iran. And so I'm sitting here, I don't know. How do I know? Right. All I can tell you is what has happened in the past. But, you know, this whole story has been misreported by the world media leading the United States leading this charge. This isn't about Palestinians versus Jews. That's not what this is about. What this is about is a movement, an evil movement, that wants to destroy the Jewish people. These are Nazis. There's no difference between Hamas and Al-Qaeda and ISIS and the Third Reich. They're right. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So... When you understand that, then you understand why Israel has to provide security for the people that live there. So, and when you provide security, it's hard to do that. You've got to be tough to do it. So let me, I'm, I'm going to get into uh, this uh, here in about 20 minutes on, you know, the role of Iran and, and Russia and everything else and what they would like to see happen. How do you think this ends here? doesn't end no i I know that but does it go back and does it go back to the usual kind of they do this then they do that or does this grow into a regional or or god forbid a global war well look i i can't speculate on that i can tell you with certainty that the israeli armed forces are now going to go in and decimate all the infrastructure that hamas had in gaza so it's gone now, the Hamas leadership, they're out of there already. Yeah. Okay, they're, in, they're in London or wherever they go. They're gone. But the uh, Israeli Defense Forces are going to go in, and they're going to dismantle everything and make it almost uninhabitable. Now, what should happen is the United Nations should step up and take women and children in Egypt, because Egypt can't, doesn't have the infrastructure to do it, and set up refugee centers so that people don't starve to death yes no men just women and children now where's the united nations where's biden leading that is that hard no i mean i took a bus through gaza i know what it is i know all right so we don't hear any of that and i'm, I'm just sitting here and it just drives me blank and nuts about the ignorance on this whole story. Yeah. And that, that includes all the major networks. These people don't know what, they don't know the history of it, they don't know why it's there, they don't know who Hamas is, they don't know how Iran operates, they don't know anything. So, Bill, I want to change the subject, because I want to make sure we talk about something that, that I think is, is actually, uh, you know, I know you well enough to know that, you know, you're seeing 
um, your your book is about the witch hunts, and you see the relationship between the witch hunts that were happening then and the witch hunts now. For instance, you know, going after anybody who says, "Hey, I I think your ideas to you know alter the globe's temperature uh, might just destroy everybody," and basically, you're a witch, and they well, hunt you down. Look, go ahead. Kill- Killing the Witches is a contemporary book. It happened in 1692 in Salem. Twenty human beings were executed for nothing because nine-year-old girls accused them of being witches. It's harrowing what actually happened. But this is a book about evil. It's about evil. And the witch hunt is back because of the cancel culture. What do you think the cancel culture is? It's a witch hunt. Take the human being off the board ruin their life let me get this real clear to everybody that's the cancel culture you're done just like in 1692 if some nine-year-old girl said goody so-and-so is a witch and came in the middle of the night and told me to sign the devil's book you had a rope around your neck so me, being the benevolent guy I am, this is the 13th killing book. Mm-hmm. I explain it in vivid detail, put you on the Mayflower, and Beck, you and I, Stu might have been okay. We would not have been on that voyage. No. That was harrowing. Yeah. So Americans goes, oh, Pilgrim's Mayflower, past the stuffing. No. No. I, I, it was brutal. Yeah, I would have done everything I could to get on Bezos' yacht to get over yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyway, so um, so Bill, first of all, um, w- everything that is going on now with the witch hunt right. is political. It's all about political and power. But this started with young girls. So what was the what was the motive for the beginning of the witch hunt back then? Power. It's the same thing. So the ministers and judges who ran the Massachusetts Bay Colony, had power over the people because they were telling them they were going to hell. And and they were punishing them for everything. And the people were scared to death because the devil was right around a corner. So they used the theology, the Puritan theology, which is insane, to keep the people subjugated. The exact same thing is happening now, but as you pointed out rightly, it's political. You go up against the cancel culture, 100% generated by the progressive left. 100%. You go up against them, they're going to try to destroy you. And Beck and O'Reilly are the poster guys for that. Every day of my life, and I'm sure your life, we're attacked by somebody. That's it. Somebody trying to, you know... Oh, you're a racist, you're a homophobe. It's you're getting boring, person. quite honestly. It's just getting boring. Come up no, with something. No, I know, but it's... I know, the, I know, I know. I, I mean, I, I just... I will tell you. Fa- I know. The poll it takes on the family and it destroys oh. people. But I have to tell you, the, the, the most interesting threat I've had lately or, you know... You know, people stop me in the streets all the time. You're a horrible racist, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was I was in New York and I was walking across the street and a guy who just with very little energy, I saw it coming. I knew he was going to do something. And and uh, and so I walked by him and we're in the crosswalk and he just passes me. And all he said was die. And I thought that, you know, he's efficient. 
He is efficient. Uh, that is that's OK. I got it. Yeah. I got the message. Um, Bill, hang on just a second, because you were talking about the Puritans theology being crazy. Um, it is actually the the reason why the witch trials went on for so long over in Europe and killed 500,000 people. And this only killed 20 um, is because the a, a, a couple of preachers stood up and said, you're misreading the Bible here. This, you, you have it wrong. And it was stopped almost immediately. Now, not everybody confessed that they, you know, uh, that they were wrong, but it, it did stop. Is that a now different you're talking take? about Europe or America? America. No, no. That's why you need to read this book back. The only reason it stopped was because the loons in Salem, 25 miles north of Boston, accused the wife of the governor, Mary Phipps, of being a witch. The governor, William Phipps, was in Maine fighting the Abenaki Indians. Right. He comes back and, um, excuse me, Your Excellency, your wife's under arrest for being a witch. That, and then he had the militia, uh, Phipps did, and he just put an end to it. There were some clerics who spoke out, but not many, because if you spoke out against the witch trials, the next day you were accused of being yeah. a witch. And I understand Just like that. if you speak out against the cancel culture today, they're going to come at you with something. So why can't we stop it if we uh, claim that, uh, I don't know, uh, Joe Biden's wife is a witch? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, I'm, a, I'm not commenting on Jill. Jill is a good Yeah, Jill. no, I mean, here, I mean, you right look now. at this. I mean, when they are called a witch now, if they many times it doesn't matter if they're part well, of the true. right philosophy, it doesn't matter. Let me give you a quick story because this is so horrendous. ESPN sportscaster covering Serena Williams' tennis match says on the air, Serena Williams is using guerrilla tactics. Guerrilla, G-E-U-R, like hit and run, war right, tactics. Right, New right, York right, right, Times right, right. Stringer writes, he called Serena Williams a guerrilla, G-O-R. Okay, guy's fired by ESPN the next day. He has a heart attack, Beck. His life is ruined to this day. Never an apology. Nothing. Out of work. Won't work again. Come on. So what was, this, what was the... People need to rise up what, against what, this. What was the, uh, the apology after uh, the Salem witch trials? How, what, what happened no, after? there was never Just an apology. Nothing. Nothing happened. All of these guys, the judges, made all the money because when you were convicted of being a witch, they took all your land and all your assets and they divided it up among the clerics and the, and the judges in Salem. They all got rich. There was never a prosecution of these people. Now, most of them fell on bad times because of karma, and we detail that, about the girls' lives were terrible. Some of them went insane, the girls who accused the people of being witches. Killing the Witches um, is a, a book about evil and the presence of evil on this planet right now. The last third of the book is now, modern times. Did you know, Beck, you saw the movie The Exorcist, right? Um, part of it. I've never been able to watch all of it. It okay. just freaks me out. I'm, Stu's seen it six times. He um, is the movie. <laughs> okay. Nine people died connected to the production of that movie. Nine. Well, you know what? 
in the next 20 years, almost all of them will die. No, but they died contemporaneously. Oh, big okay. Word, okay. All right. Big word. <laughs> okay. So I do believe, because I'm a Roman Catholic, there is an act of evil in the world, going back to Hamas now. Yeah. All right. That there is a force that people have, number one, have to recognize, and number two, fight against. So when you see these loons at Harvard, when you see these commentators, these people all over the world, justifying Hamas, yeah. they are justifying evil. evil. Yeah. And um, that is the theme of Killing the Witches. Killing the Witches is available bookstores wherever. You, I'm sure, can find it at BillOReilly.com. Uh, you'll also find uh, Bill's, uh, you know, rant of the day or whatever, <laughs> some crazy. Uh, <laughs> and you can get his uh, no-spin news at BillOReilly.com. Grab Killing the Witches. Bill, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you. Okay, Beck, stay bet. well, and thanks for having me. God bless. The best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to welcome back to the program Justin Haskins, who is the co-author with me of The Great Reset and co-author and uh, researcher. He actually heads up a team uh, for Dark Future. Uh, he also heads up a, uh, a team of researchers at the Heartland Institute. It's He's Socialist uh, Research Center Director, Socialism. He is not a socialist. Uh, <laughs> Just want to make that clear. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not a socialist. He's not a socialist. Okay. He's been standing against it for quite some time. And uh, welcome back to the program. Yesterday, we talked about how Alexander Dugan, everything that that man has predicted and said and planted the seeds, including what's happening with Azerbaijan and Armenia and uh, Hamas and Iran and Israel today, Ukraine, all of this stuff is uh is coming to fruition and people keep denying that he's you know has anything to do that we should pay attention to but there's something else that uh is happening and he was he was for this and that is um a new currency a new world order um of an axe i would call it an axis power he calls it an axis he does. He calls it an axis, a new world axis of powers with Russia as one of the central figures. Wow. Um, and they're building this now. I mean, BRICS is really we think of BRICS as, oh, well, this is the world getting together and we're all going to. And this is bringing up. That's not the way Russia and Dugan have looked at BRICS, right? Right. Br- BRICS is a direct um, it's it's the rival that they're building to the G7 you know, United States, United Kingdom, those countries, right. the most powerful westernized countries that we think of as being sort of the liberal uh, in the old sense, in the John Adams sense, democracies, mm-hmm. you know, and democratic republics. The counter to that is BRICS. Now, in, in BRICS started around 20 years ago, and it was just four or five countries. It was just Brazil, Russia, India, China, and I think South Africa joined after that. And then that was it. And they started out as a small thing and they've slowly been building new resources and and coming together in a in a more sort of intergovernmental way, a more important way. And then recently they've put the foot on the gas and they are now turning this into a real 
a real rival to the West. And they've just recently, within the past few months, approved expanding BRICS dramatically for the first time ever from five nations to, I think they're adding five or six more nations. There are 11, yeah. And there's a bunch of other applicants that various BRIC members want in. All the BRIC nations have to agree to bring somebody in. Now, the people will tell you in the media that those are only the ones that have a problem with the United States. Uh, and they're afraid that we would retaliate against them, so they're kind of hiding in in bricks. But I don't believe that to be the case. No, that's obviously not the case. I mean, South Africa is is not that. Uh, Argentina is one of the countries that's just now coming in. That's that's not that. Ethiopia is one of those. Um, I don't think Egypt would be quali- would qualify as one of those either. Saudi Arabia, they're surely not that and we used to have a great relationship with saudi arabia they were very important and not anymore that's Mm -hmm. all falling apart why uh i think one of the most important things to keep in mind about BRICS is they are doing they they have had the benefit of seeing our failures and our mistakes meaning the united states and the west over the past half century they're looking at the economic mistakes not other Mm -hmm. things economic mistakes and they're saying how do we do this better and they're doing all those things they're building a new development bank they are bringing in the manufacturing producers of the world so they're not just consumers of goods they're producing goods like china for example is a big the biggest one of that right they are building a new currency and all indications are that new currency which they're keeping secret is going to be uh some kind of gold-backed digital type currency correct okay at least to begin with to begin with right um and they are bringing in People who have access and control over natural resources and willing to use them, to sell them, to produce them. How many of them are the world oil producers? So out of the top 10 uh, biggest producers of oil, we're talking countries, all of them are now in BRICS or are about to go into BRICS. The only two exceptions are the United States and Canada. Every other one, every single other one. So that'll show you how serious the rest of the world is on uh, clean energy and wind power. So let me let me just say this, because there is always kind of a, a quiet argument on what made America great. And I think you'd have to define great. De Tocqueville talked about what made America great were, was our ethics and our our churches. You could find it in the pulpits. People were good. We were great because we were first good. And we we adhered to the principles of God, which made us uh, self-reliant. It made us work hard and try not to take the, you know, the bread off the sweat of another man's brow. We were honest, law-abiding. Generally speaking, that's the way it was. We've had our problems. But that's what made America great, made us charitable and and, you know, bringing people here and and giving everybody an opportunity. And again, it's been a rough go, but that's it. Now, if you want to just look at the economics of what made America a powerhouse, that's different. And here's and let's just go through these and I'm going to read them one by one. And you tell me if we have it or if BRICS has it. Yep. Okay. Uh, so let's see, uh, low regulation. <laughs> Absolutely not. You're probably depending on where you are in bricks, you, uh, will have that or you won't have that. You probably have to be in bed with government in one fashion or another, but if the government likes you, 
Yeah, absolutely. And certainly on certain things like certain natural resources, mining, the really important stuff. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it used to be the case that anybody that had an idea could come here and start it. And you didn't. I mean, Bill Gates says he couldn't have started, you know, Microsoft now. Right. The, The system was set up for entrepreneurs and people with ideas and new ways of doing things. Yes. Low government regulation. We are the opposite of that. Yes. Um, We had uh, the world's resources and we were willing to use them. So we have more resources here in America than any other continent, any other place in the world. We've now sealed all those off. Correct. The resources of the rest of the world with bricks and will they use them? They absolutely will use them. I think that's the primary one of the primary reasons these countries are joining is so that they can use it and trade it. So we had skilled, hardworking, cheap labor. We don't have that now. No. And we don't have the work ethic that we used to. Absolutely not. Do the BRICS company, uh, countries. Obviously. Yes. Big, some of the biggest manufacturers in the world are in BRICS. Uh, we had cheap and plentiful energy. We don't now. No. And we're deliberately trying Sabotage. to make it worse. Yes. Yeah. Um, we had gold-backed currency. We don't. They <laughs> no. will. Correct. Um, the most important thing is we had rule of law. That's why people came here. They came for a couple of reasons. They knew that they could start a business and you didn't have to bribe everybody. They knew that if you had a good idea and it was yours, you might have to fight with it for court, but court would be fair and it wouldn't always go to the big moneyed per- person. It could go to the little guy if he was telling the truth. We don't have that anymore. No, we don't have a rule of law. We're becoming a country at the very top. You bribe your way in and you can get absolutely anything. You also could keep the spoils of what you made. Yep. You can't here now. That's why BRICS is so dangerous to us, because we have lost absolutely everything that makes us an industrial giant. Yes. There's no question about it. There's just absolutely no question about it. And BRICS has learned from that. And and what happened in the wake of the invasion of Ukraine and the way the West reacted to that, and I'm not I'm not trying to criticize all I understand that was a complicated situation. No. But when they started freezing assets for Russia and they yes. started kicking you off a of swift. Yeah, when they started kicking people off of swift, driving these countries into the arms of this is exactly what Dugan wants. This is the kind of thing that he talks about. Western overreach leading to uh, these other nations that have tolerated being in business with the West for a long time, suddenly realizing, you know what, we we can't do this anymore because if they can do this to Russia over a what Russia considers a territorial you know yeah. conflict, then why wouldn't they do it to China? That's their human rights violator. Why wouldn't they do it to all these countries in the Middle East by American standards? They're human rights violators, right? So they could do it to any of us. That's what these countries in the East are being told, and that's what they're thinking. And it's not consistent. Saudi Arabia, right. uh, not real good. Not no. real good for the Jews, the gays, the religious, be- anybody. Really horrible. Yet it's okay. But when we select, when we decide, you are no longer my friend, 
those same things that we were cool with all of a sudden you're demonized for and kicked out of the club yeah that you can't build you cannot build a civil civilization with partners like that no it's either right or wrong Right. And they understand that this is just sort of arbitrary Correct. when we decide to just destroy people and when we decide to let it go. Correct. And that's why they they realize if they don't build their own superstructure where they can control their own destinies and create this multipolar world where, you know, China gets to be in charge of its little uh, the, its kingdom and Iran gets to be in charge of its kingdom and Russia, its kingdom, where they have their own rules. And we all just kind of leave each other alone. Like we don't maybe we don't all agree on what we're doing to our people and whatever. Maybe we think some of us are human rights violators. Doesn't matter. We all just agree to disagree. And, and, and let's just do business with each other and let's just make lots of money and become really powerful and control our parts of the world. Uh, then we don't need to worry about Western values, Western ideas. And that and that is so persuasive to all of and you could imagine why. Right. I mean, it's so oh, yeah. persuasive to all of these regimes all over I the have world. I tell you, it'd be persuasive to me in some ways. I know. I mean, because you're like, this doesn't work. This what we're doing is not going to work. And uh, nobody in America is going to we're not going to have food, energy or anything. We will become a third world country quickly if we don't get off this path. And I can see a lot of people saying, well, uh, I want to do that. And you can't do that. Right. And that's part of the appeal that Alexander Dugan and people like that are trying to make. Uh, You can find out. about this and so much more in our book, uh, Dark Future. Um, we have a whole chapter on Alexander Dugan and why it is important you understand him. The, he is directly connected to what's happening in uh, with Iran. And I believe uh, Hamas and Hezbollah and the RGC and what's happening with uh, Israel. He is, he is the designer of what happened in Ukraine. And it's happening everywhere, including in the United States. And as I just said, these things are, you know, they they're attractive. Some of these ideas are attractive, but they are not our friends. The only thing we can do is to restore all of the things that we have lost. Restore the rule of law. Restore the idea of hard work. Uh, destroy any corruption and bribery reset these things back to their constitutional settings that will give us new life not a new kind of entire new idea and throw out the american idea that's what dugan wants either that or just to put us out and turn out our lights either way those are bad Restoring the constitutional settings is the only way forward. Justin, thank you so much. Thanks, Glenn. Justin Haskins, Heartland Institute, Socialist uh, Socialism Research Center director and co-author of Dark Future, which you can get everywhere. Na, na, na.